for things that I should have been doing with that money. Today in the United States, millions and millions of people will buy lotto tickets in order to get to a place where maybe someday they can be super rich. But to look at auto, lotto tickets in the way that we should be looking at them, they truly are a tax on the poor. Because people are trying to get out of that state that they're in and they think if they could just get wealthy, all of their problems will go away. Last night and this morning, tens of millions of dollars will be spent on one-day fantasy football. People looking to get rich. Some of them being ruined right in this moment because it's the last money they have and instead of using it wisely, they're going to try to build wealth once again so they can hopefully alleviate all their problems. And I think about some of the friends that I had, guys that I grew up with from a very early age who are now in their early, early 30s, mid-30s, and they are always looking for that job that's going to get them a million dollars a year. They're always pursuing that next big payday. They haven't stayed in a job for more than six months to a year in the last 15 years. They would have more financial stability and more financial security if they would have stuck in job one or two, but they've been after the big payday all along. You see, Koaleth is building the case for us here. He, he's, he's just observing what he sees throughout his kingdom. He himself has become one of the richest people on earth, and we've talked about that ad nauseum a couple of weeks ago, and it didn't bring him satisfaction. But now he's talking in general terms about the wealth of the people he sees around them, and he sees that people whose goal is to pursue wealth don't end up happy. People whose goal is to get more and more, they don't end up happy. And people whose goal is to get more and more, many times lose that which they love the most, their financial security. Wealth does not bring satisfaction. The second thing Koaleth tells us, if you'll look down at verse 1 of chapter 6, is that we, when we get to the point of arrival with our wealth, it's often unfulfilling. Go ahead and read verse 6, 1 and following with, or chapter 6, 1 and following with me. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy upon humankind. Those to whom God gives wealth and possessions and honor, so that they lack nothing of all they desire, yet God does not enable them to enjoy these things, but a stranger enjoys them. This is also vanity. It is a grievous ill. What's Koleth saying? He's saying more often than not, when I see people get to the point that they've been trying to get to financially, when they reach their financial destiny, if you will, they don't even have the opportunity to enjoy it. Jesus sort of echoes these words in Luke 6, 24. He's pronouncing blessings and woes, and he's talking about whose disposition leads them in a place to be happy and whose disposition towards life puts them in a place of sadness. And in 6.24, he says, Woe to you who are rich, for you've received your consolation. Meaning, woe to you. It's sad. If the goal of your life was to reach your financial destiny, you've already received the thing that's as good as it gets. And it's not going to satisfy. The arrival at wealth is unfulfilling. Jesus told another story in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 21, that echoes the sentiments of Koaleth here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there, but it is going to be up on the screen, Luke 12, 16 through 21. Jesus told the story, he says, The land of a rich man produced abundantly. 
And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build larger ones. Starter home. And there I will store all of my grain. Am I, sorry. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Remember, Koalet says it's just going to go to somebody else. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So here we have some agreement between Koalath and Christ. And, and, I, and once again, you had to be here for week one to really understand how we're trying to talk about these scriptures. Koalath is not always wrong. In fact, he's got a lot of wisdom in the book of Ecclesiastes. It is a wisdom book. It's that his despair, his despondency, and his agnosticism have left him in a place of utter despair rather than looking forward to God and seeing God's intentions for their, him, his life and giving him hope. So Koaleth says this in a term of despair, but Jesus is saying it to us to try to shake us out of our present mode of operation, to get us into a place where we truly see life and wealth and the goods that God has given us in the way that we're supposed to see them. If your goal in life is to arrive at some financial destiny, Jesus is telling us, you will miss all the good that you can do on the way. You'll miss all the good that you could do on the way if your entire goal is to arrive at your financial destiny. We have magazines and television channels that are rife with this concept. Reality TV is designed to prove to us, the underclass, that the super rich are just as miserable as everybody else. Think about this for a moment. Think about, oh, a good 40 to 50% of reality television. It's rich people, isn't it? And it's rich people who are miserable. They've arrived at their financial destiny, and they're not able to enjoy it. Why, according to Jesus, they're not rich towards God. They're not rich towards God. They, they, they think they've arrived, but they haven't even started. They think their destiny has been fulfilled, but they have not even begun to do the things that they were created to do. One more sad observation from Koaleth before we turn our thoughts to the words of Christ. Go ahead and look back with me to chapter 5, verse 18. This is the sad conclusion for Koaleth. Not the sad conclusion for our message today, just for Koaleth. He says in verse 18 of chapter 5, This is what I've seen to be good. It's fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun. For the few days of the life God gives us, for this is our lot, Eeyore. <laughs> and then he expounds upon that in verse 19, likewise to all whom God gives wealth and possessions and to who's able to enjoy them, to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil, this is the gift from God. So for Koaleth, life doesn't get any better 
then whatever money you have, whatever wealth you have, find as much enjoyment as you can in it. This is the gift from God. That's the whole meaning and purpose of life. At least, actually, Koaleth would even say, I don't know what the meaning and purpose of life is specifically. I would just tell you that this is about as good as it gets. Buy some stuff. Eat some good food once in a while. Have whatever drink that pleases you, and then you die. This is what wealth can do. To Koaleth, he believes that wealth, money, financial security merely provides enjoyment to dull life's pain. That's what money serves to do. It, it is a, a Percocet or a Vicodin after surgery. It, it can just dull the pain for a while. And then you'll want some more so you can dull the pain for a while. And then you'll want some more so that you can dull the pain for a while. Do you see why Koaleth says wealth is dishonest in its claims? Money and gain is dishonest in its claims. It claims that it can give you the good life. It claims that you can be insulated from life's hardship, that you can enjoy life the more you have, the bigger, the better, the better things will be that financial security is lasting. And Koaleth says, I've had my whole life to observe wealth. And it's dishonest in its claims. What is wealth? And what's the best that can be done with it? Because we've already established that most of us here are wealthy. Most of us here have riches when we look at the world and the ancient world as well. Well, Jesus tells us that those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God are the ones who end up in despair. So who are the happy people? The happy people are the people whose worldly wealth is a tool for God's purposes. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to Luke chapter 16. We're going to be looking at the conclusions of Jesus after he tells a remarkable story, and we preached on this story uh, just in the last year, so we're not going to do the parable, we're just going to take the conclusions here. Luke chapter 16, verse 9 and following. Jesus said, And I tell you to his disciples, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And whoever is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful with dishonest wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who then will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. To Jesus, wealth is not the end. Wealth is a tool in the hands of those who would use it. Jesus exhorts his disciples in verse 9 to think of ways to creatively use their wealth for God's purposes. That's what he's saying. Make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth so that when it's gone, they may welcome you into their eternal homes. Not only that, but Jesus says, if, if, 
you cannot get the correct disposition toward your wealth, if you can't see this the way that God sees this, you're not going to be entrusted with true riches. You said, what, a bigger wad of cash? No, not a bigger wad of cash, but a destiny, a, a, a fulfillment of that destiny. True riches are to do the things that God has placed us on this earth to do, to partner with God in his kingdom, to take back your sphere for Jesus Christ and rip it out of the clutches by the power of the Holy Spirit from the enemy. Those are true riches. That's the good life. That is happiness. This can be used as a tool for God's purposes. That's the proper disposition toward worldly wealth. God started there when he founded his people Israel. He set up a very distinct concepts for them, concepts like the tithe, to give the first 10% of your income to the house of God, to do the work of God, to give offerings Money and, and, and goods and livestock that would just say, God, I serve you and therefore it's yours. And to give alms, to take care of those who are in need around you. There are laws and there are precepts and there are mandates that God gives to his people. Why does he give them? He gives them so they will have a proper disposition toward wealth. A proper disposition towards wealth. There's always sense in God's commands. He says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, when you come into the land, Israel, and you begin to take all that God has given you, I don't want you to think that your strength and your brains and your power has brought you this wealth. Remember, God has brought this to you. And when he institutes the tithe in Deuteronomy chapter 14, you know what he says? I want you to give the tithe. Take that first 10% and give it to me so that you'll learn to fear the Lord so that you'll learn to reverence God and his purposes for your life. He does that from the very earliest time that he's creating his people, both for the benefit of God's kingdom, which at that time was Israel. Today, it's the church of God and what we can do to influence the world. But he was doing that so that the people would understand that their wealth belongs to the Lord, their ability to create wealth belongs to the Lord, and that we would have a proper disposition towards that wealth so that we can do the things the Lord has put us on the earth to do. Koaleth's sadness about wealth was based in the concept that he only saw wealth as a means to dulling life's pain. We see the wealth that God has given us as a means to doing God's work. And that is true riches. That's what God desires of us, but that is also what will leave us blessed and happy and fulfilled. And as we head towards heaven, we'll know that we've done what God has put us on this earth to do. That is the true riches. And therefore, Jesus says to his disciples, this isn't your master. I am. Use this, if you have it, to serve the master. One final scripture for us today, and we'll be closing in just a moment. Luke chapter 12, verse 32 through 34. Because most of us would say, Pastor Matt, 
I, I get what you're saying. I, I'm beginning to, to perhaps reiterate in my life some things that God's already taught me or beginning to have some revelation as to what God wants from me, but, but I'm afraid that there's nothing that I can do right now about any of this. Verse 32 of chapter 12. Don't be afraid, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that don't wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the problem, and Jesus understood it completely. He knew that he could get through to us that our wealth is to be used for God. He knew that we would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I get it, Pastor Matt. I watch reality TV. Wealth won't make me happy. I should probably give some things in life. I, I, I get it. I get it. But he understood that the barrier for each one of us would be fear. 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 Pastor Matt, I agree with you completely. I just can't because of fear. And I want to tell you today that fear is natural. And if you have ever been in want, right, you know that you don't want to be in want ever again. You know that. You know that. So Jesus reminds us and reiterates that he's the one that takes care of us. He's the boss. And it's his good pleasure to give to us his kingdom and to allow us to do the things that he's called us to do. And he's going to take care of us when we have a proper disposition towards the wealth that he's given us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. I've told my wife and I've told those closest to me that I could write a book on the ways he's taken care of me and my family, and I'm only 32. Some of you could write volumes on the way that he's taken care of you, but you had to get the disposition correct first, didn't you? You had to get, keep the disposition correct first. Teenagers in the room, I encourage you, before you have a lot of money in your life, get the disposition correct. It's a lot easier to have it correct when you have very little. And for those of you who, at least in America, would not consider yourself very high on the socioeconomic ladder, I encourage you as well, get it right before God brings you any type of wealth because it gets a lot harder when you have more. Koalef makes that clear. You have to get the right disposition and the proper attitude very quickly. I love the words of Jesus. Make purses for yourselves that don't wear out. Guys, if you don't want to carry a purse, make a wallet for yourself that doesn't wear out. Or if you really think you're cool, get a money clip for yourself, right, that doesn't wear out. What's Jesus trying to get across to us today? He's trying to get across hope. When wealth is your master, life is full of despair. When God is your master and wealth is a tool in his hands, life is full of vitality and hope. That's what God is trying to get across to us today. And you know what he wants from each one of us when we get off this earth? He doesn't want this. You know what he wants from each and every one of us when we leave the earth? He wants this. You say, what is that? That's my wallet. And in that wallet is nothing but receipts. You say, why? Do you not carry any cash? No, I, I took my $2 out of there before I did this illustration. He 
He wants us to be able to pull these out and say, you know what, that was the missionary that was building that church in a remote region, and boy, nobody would have heard the gospel if I didn't give that. My kids needed new shoes right at that moment, but I figured, you know what, I think they can go another three weeks until my next paycheck, because God's calling me to give this now, and you know what, guess what? Their toes didn't grow in three weeks, (laughs) because God's the boss, and you can pull out another and say, wow, these were the times that things were really tough, but I continued to give to the church, and God's purpose is there. And you know what, I can look back, and I've been at two or three churches since those days when I was real young, but I saw the good that that church did, and I saw so many people come to know Jesus. I'm so glad I got to be a part of that. Because the other, what's in my pocket, you can't take it with you, but you can take all your receipts with you to heaven. Every single one. Everything that you have bought, because your wealth was given over to God. Let that be our epitaph. Let that be the end of our lives where we can go, I spent what God gave me to further his kingdom and I was fulfilled because of it. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I can preach this message today because I know that you are a good and a faithful God. I know that you provide for those who submit their wealth to you. God, I know it firsthand from my life, when I've submitted to you in the hardest times, but I also know that in the times when things were tough, those who had submitted to you lifted me and my family. Most importantly, Lord, I know the joy and I know the release of releasing my wealth to you. God, We stand in a very generous congregation this morning, and so many believe this and they live this. But God, I pray for those today who are struggling with these concepts, that they're still just a little bit too close to the concepts that the world has to offer about wealth and what it means. I pray right now by your Holy Spirit that you would open their hearts to what you have to say. Because, Lord, our goal is to do that which you've called us to do. And also, Lord, to live a life that's full and free and flourishing because we follow the Lord and his commandments over us. Lord, I pray for those today who are struggling. I pray that they would know that you're their father and they need not fear. I pray for those today who have an improper disposition, that, Lord, you would turn their hearts and turn their minds to understand that you have so much more to do in and through them when they submit their wealth to you. I'm going to invite our elders to come this morning, and we're just going to have a time of prayer just going to be for a few moments. It's something we do every week at Victory Life. For those of you who are in this place today and you go, Pastor Matt, I could use prayer. I've got stuff going on in my life that I just need to be lifted up this morning. I've got kids who are in a bad spot. I've got parents who are in a bad spot. I've got finances that are in a bad spot. I've got health that's in a bad spot. 
I would love for the elders of the church to pray for me. These altars are open for you. And you say, are you going to invite people to come and admit that they're hoarding wealth? No, I'm not going to do that this morning. I'm not going to do that this morning because that's a very hard thing to come up and say, yeah, Pastor Matt, today is the day that I admit to the Lord that I've been wrong with my pocketbook. But I encourage you today, before we're done in this place, to pray if God's been speaking to your hearts and allow God to move your heart closer to his in regards to your worldly wealth. Do you get the task? I invite you to pray, not just to enjoy the pastoral prayer at the end of the message, but to ask the Lord, Lord, what would you do in my heart as it has to do with my wealth? So today, if you have needs that you would like prayed over, I'm going to invite you to come. But for every person in the house, I invite you to take a look into your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to be with you for the next few minutes and ask him to be your teacher and him to be your guide. If you'd like the elders to pray for you, would you come? And if you need to pray in your seats, I invite everybody in the house to bow their heads and do some praying to the Lord for the next few moments. And we'll close in song in just a few moments.